This is the pressing question for SEOs. AI content and its use in SEO, is it worth the risk? We're taking on this topic with Kevin Indig today on The Edge. Go! Your weekly digital marketing trends with industry trend-setting guests. Powered by your digital marketing pioneers, Site Strategics. This week's featured guest is Kevin Indig, growth advisor at kevin-indig.com. Now, here's your host, Aaron Sparks. This is Edge of the Web Radio. I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. Every week we bring you amazing guests to chat about digital marketing news and trending topics out there. We unpack a key marketing topic for our digital marketing audience. So whether you're part of an agency or freelancer or part of a marketing department in a firm, this show is for you. So check out everything over at edgeofthewebradio.com. That's edgeofthewebradio.com. Edge of the Web is brought to you by our title sponsor, Site Strategics, pioneers in the agile digital marketing methodology. Our core specialties are SEO, SEM, social media management, conversion rate optimization, as well as the omni-channel media marketing and broadcast, everything that we do here on the show and much more, all focused on results-based marketing that works. So if you're interested in what we can do for you, just give us a call at 877-SEO-FOR-WEB or 877-736-4932. A little bit of housekeeping here. Just want to let you know who's going to be coming up in the future episodes. So coming up, we're going to have Chris Long and Greg Finn after our Kevin Indig episodes. You might want to check out the recent episodes as well. We've had Cyrus Shepard, Mark Williams-Cook, Cindy Crum, as well as Dan Schur in the recent episodes. Check them out. They all had some great things to share in the marketing spaces that they're in. Very proud to be able to have them on board. If you're interested in being part of the show, drop us a line at info at edgeofthewebradio.com. Set your reminders on YouTube to get notified when we post our videos. We're pushing out more and more short nuggets of information from our guests on a regular basis. Make sure you also check out the weekly news podcast that we cover almost everything in digital marketing. Well, not everything because there's lots there. But we pick some hand-picked news topics to go over, as well as updating you on any Google updates. We're dropping it every Tuesday as best as we can get it there to help you navigate your week in digital marketing. Continued on the show is our co-host, the indomitable Morty Oberstein, head of brand SEO over at Wix. So that said, that's housekeeping. Now let's turn around and meet this week's industry expert. Well, let me introduce you to Kevin Indig. He's a strategic growth advisor, creator of the Growth Memo Newsletter, and host of the TechBound podcast. He ran SEO organizations for companies like Shopify, G2, and Atlassian, and consulted big brands like Ramp, Eventbrite, and Finder, and is an active angel investor. He's also spoken at a number of different conferences, online marketing rock stars, SMX Munich, Brighton SEO, Tech SEO Boost, Ecom World, and many, many more more. And he's also currently on the Wix SEO advisory board. So uh, yeah, he's got, he's got a little bit of clout in the marketplace. You got to go check out those different speaking engagements as well. He was on our show for episode 401 when we talked about ROI for SEO. And that's actually a very, very important topic that, <laughs> that we have to focus on regularly is because the C-levels maybe don't see that clearly how valuable SEO is. So uh, check that episode out as well. All that being said, said, let's bring Kevin on. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me again. It's my pleasure. I still have that uh, episode recorded last time in good memory. 
It was fun. It was fun. And that was actually, it could be capitalized on because there's still a huge amount of, I, I guess, not even avoidance, but clarity that needs to happen and really education towards sea levels of the larger lens of what SEO does as opposed to a linear perspective. We wrangled that topic down, but I certainly do think that there's a rematch that needs to happen here in the near future. Love it. Yes, absolutely. Very relevant for our conversation today and yeah. still relevant in, in general. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, for listeners who haven't come across you before, give us your bio, kind of in your words. How did you come to be where you are now? And that, first and foremost, tell us what you're doing right now. Yeah, what am I doing right now? Um, so I had been with Tropify until about July, end of July. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a little bit of time off. And then in September, I started to advise for companies. And that's what I'm focused on full time. I've started to specialize really on the strategic part of advisory. So no tech audits uh, for SEO, but much more covering questions like what are competitive advantages? What mm -hmm. are our levers? What are the risks and requirements and dependencies that we need to overcome? So, you know, it's all these kind of executive enterprise -y type of questions that mm -hmm. in my mind propel companies forwards. And it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. The way I got here, as I already mentioned, I, uh, I worked a couple of years for Shopify, that growth teams there uh, with a big focus on SEO. Before that, I ran SEO and content at G2, which is a software marketplace. And before that, I ran SEO at Atlassian, and then I had an agency history in there as well. So mm -hmm. it's a good mix of you know agency and in-house. I was very lucky early on to work with enterprise companies that function very, very different compared to small businesses. Yeah, yeah. To that point, enterprise SEO, enterprise marketing is just a huge experience that a lot of individuals don't get a chance to actually experience. But uh, we had an off-camera uh, discussion, off-show discussion of uh, you being kind of a one-third of a C-level's brain to be able to help come in and help advise because you also have knowledge in the space much more than maybe a CMO that rises through the ranks of a particular company or companies. You have expertise in SEO and you are actually arming them with questions that they should be asking. There's so many scenarios where we run into C-levels that don't understand the basics or even understand the nuances, I should say, of digital marketing. And you're in there actually advising them and helping them kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, right? That's exactly what I'm doing. And it's important because executives, C-suite, vice presidents, they don't have a lot of time to dive into the details. And especially us as SEOs, we're very passionate about the tactics and the little technical issues we found, right? And all these details, but that doesn't arrive really at the executive level. They want to understand how all these puzzle pieces fit together and what the bigger picture is. And they care much more about questions like, how can we unblock SEO? What's the total contribution to revenue from SEO? Mm -hmm. You know, How can we scale that over time? Those are the questions that they're paid to answer. And so there needs to be some translation between the, the hacky, cool, interesting SEO stuff and how executives can make sense of it. And that's really what I'm doing. Very good. Very good. And uh, hopefully you'll put some templates out there that we can also grab a hold of and be able to use in our industry. Because these things are really, really difficult to translate, especially kind of the ripple effect that happens whenever certain sections of a site are actually optimized and how that actually gives lift to other areas and the benefit thereof. Because if you're too linear, like we talked about in our previous show, you miss the larger picture of what search engine optimization is really all about. And so it's more subject matter optimization than anything else. And that gives lift to the entire site. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> 
Some, point, though. Well, I appreciate it. So, something that we wanted to tackle with you today was uh, something that has been burgeoning over the last, I, I guess, 10, I don't know, 12 months to 18 months. Probably more than that, obviously, but it's really kind of come into its own, and it's AI content, uh, artificial intelligence-generated content. Um, we've seen things a decade ago that got slapped back from Google where there were spun articles, machined articles. It was just keyword smith articles. Uh, we're in a new era, but we're also having new tools now that are benefiting us in a lot of different ways. And we also see some of the lazy underbelly of marketers even more so using AI to generate this content, right? It's massive. I mean, I want to you know on record i want to say that i think this is kind of the next big technological jump that we make so every you know every eight to ten years i would say there are bigger technological jumps if you think about recessions that actually that is often very similar cadence but if you think about the early 2000s or maybe around 1999 and 2000 there was like this big tech boom around mm -hmm. you know all these like you know order dog food online type of companies and it was a uh, a big push and that opened the way for actually many other technologies that we use today that is often not spoken about. And in 2008, iPhone, smartphone evolution. Uh, and then there was a, a bit of a longer pause, right? And I think a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought it was going to be blockchain um, mm -hmm. and, and uh, maybe crypto. That's kind of the next hot big thing. Uh, I think the last couple of months have shown that we're not there yet, but I think generative AI is changing the game mm -hmm. to a large degree and so just to you know zoom back from the outside from like the large perspective to the uh, smaller one just this week openai has released gpt chat so it's like a, a chatbot driven by ai that that just delivers outstanding results and now you see like you know people on twitter going hot and they're saying oh search is done google is done the ai will just answer all the questions mm. i wouldn't want to go as far but i've not seen any technology than generative ai that will have such a profound impact on SEO and content. I think it's going to change again profoundly. And uh, we can talk about what that means mm -hmm. and in what ways. Well, it's certainly the largest picture that we can see, or the largest benefit is the scalability. You can actually produce at scale. But before anything else, we do want to back up a second and just give some, some basics uh, for our listeners who may or may not have come across this before. AI-generated content is a machine, is basically a machine-creating content for you. It describes written content like uh, blog posts, marketing copy, articles of this nature. The AI content generators, such as Jasper, uh, require human input before anything else. You just can't have content generated without the steerage of a user, right? So descriptions, prompts, different parameters, what to say, what not to say. By and large, it's great for first draft type of execution that you can come back around and, and massage into authentic voice. But there is a large amount of auto-generated content that's being unchecked. It's just being pushed out there. And Google has actually said something pretty sizable about that. But more importantly, can you give us some additional perspective on AI-generated content? Because it's not just the written piece here. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of machine-generated media, yeah? Exactly, exactly. I think you laid that out pretty well. The different types of generative AI tools. For example, we've seen a lot of hype around text. You already mentioned uh, Jasper. There are a couple of other textual AI tools that are also very interesting. One is uh, Lex that basically unblocks writers when they when they don't know how to continue. So it's like an editor 
And uh, when you're stuck, you just type three plus signs, and then it will look at what you've written and expand on that. Right. Wow. And the whole idea there is to just, you know, help you continue, as opposed to a tool like Jasper, which aims to write all the content for you. Mm -hmm. So just in the textual tool space. There are going to be many different types and already are many different types of AI tools, some of which will try to create all the content for you and others which just try to unblock you or accelerate you or check your style or change your style, right? So there's going to be a lot of different tasks that are going to be solved just in the tech space. Mm -hmm. And then there's the image space as well, right? Uh, yeah. So um, Dali is a very popular AI tool that creates any image from your textual prompt, right? So you can say, you know, show me, I don't know, Kevin riding a rocket to the moon and it will somehow uh, draw a picture of me uh, sitting on a rocket flying to the moon. There are a couple of similar technologies. There's mid-journey, stable diffusion, and these are getting really, really good. Actually, um, the last two or three blog articles that I pushed out, they all had a cover image made with generative AI. Oh, yeah? Um, and it's really interesting. It goes so far as that Canva, one of the most popular image and video editing tools, Certainly. also now has a text-to-image AI tool. So these things are blowing up. They're everywhere. Wow. Um, audio is another one that is not as popular yet, but there are tools like Descript that will be able to basically generate any audio from a little snippet that you provided as an input, right? So I can mm -hmm. just record maybe a minute or, or maybe even 30 seconds of me speaking and mm -hmm. it will, I can feed that to the script and then ask it to say something in my voice that I type out and it will do that to a very good degree. And then there are a couple of other smaller, interesting tools that do something very similar. But I think the, the ones for text and image are probably the most interesting one because they not only speed up creators a lot, but they might even replace and completely solve certain tasks that, are, that humans do today. We're proud to have Site Strategics as a sponsor of Edge of the Web. We're pioneers in the agile digital marketing methodology. Core specialties that we provide are technical SEO, including core web vitals optimization, search engine marketing, social media marketing and management, focus on conversion rate optimization, truly focused on results-based marketing that works. We've also developed a unique omni-channel media marketing and content curation process as guided by our weekly R&D from our Edge of the Web interviews. We incorporate the best techniques for our content broadcast strategy and execution. If you're interested in what we can do for you, just give us a call at 877-SEO4WEB or 877-736-4932. I think that's actually a really good pivot point right there, solving tasks as opposed to the obvious blatant space of using AI to write something so you don't have to. We're in this era from an SEO standpoint of expertise, authority, and trust, right? That comes only from authentic information, a wealth of knowledge regarding that information, and the trust that comes from the buildup and continued pursuit and contributions into a particular marketplace or industry. AI-generated content doesn't have any foothold in those three areas whatsoever, right? Yes. I mean, there, it's hard to say, but let's put it as a question. There's a question out there. Um, that goes along the lines of like, what's the expertise or authority of an AI? Um, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like, how far is it authoritative? And I don't think it's a rhetorical question. I think it's a real question we have to answer. And I think the question is very nuanced. So let me tell you how I think about that. Mm -hmm. uh, my personal take, and I think this will be the opinion adopted by Google as well, is that there are certain types of content where it's perfectly fine if an AI created it. And there are other types of content where you want to make sure that a human created or at least reviewed mm -hmm. and edited it. Mm -hmm. um, and my framework for, for differentiating between that is functional content and then 
content that is more editorial in my mind. And so functional content could be something like a product description. In the case of e-commerce, it could be, you know, describing what, what the product is, does its features, you know, very straightforward information, little to no room for interpretation. It's just mm -hmm. all facts and helping people to understand the context and making sense of things. Right. On the other side stands editorial content, uh, which is where humans need input. The topics are typically a bit more complex. They're mm -hmm. always not straight answers, but there are lots of ifs and whens and, and exceptions. And I think that's where we're still, I think that's where human input is most valuable. Mm -hmm. I think this is still very, very difficult for machines because they're trained on a data set that already exists, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's difficult to synthesize new information from that. Um, and I also think that's where where humans actually actually have the most fun and it's most rewarding for humans to create that content, right? We speak a lot about what AI can do, but we don't speak a lot about what humans maybe don't want to do. It's not a lot of fun, right? So yeah. if you, you know, like, you know, uh, shout out to all the poor souls who had to write, you know, a thousand meta descriptions about something or, or fill like a thousand product descriptions out because that's just boring, terrible work. It is, it is. And, and to your point about the editorial side of content writing, the nuance of that is that you're offering up opinion, you're offering up judgments, you're offering up comparisons. Those are the spaces between the subject matter that is actually the courier of information when it comes down to editorial content. Uh, you're absolutely right. There's, I guess, from a content cast system in perspective is that there's a certain number of areas that we just don't want to do. And if we have something that we can roll out programmatically with guidance, Right, then that just gives us more time to be more efficient in those more nuanced areas, right? Exactly. I think you, you phrased that very well where you said humans offer a point of view, they have judgment, and that judgment is not something that machines can come up with today. And we might actually still be further out from the judgment than we often think. You know, the thing with all these technology jumps is that they create a, a lot of buzz and a lot of people immediately go to extremes and say, oh, you know, like Google is done, writers are done, like all this is mm -hmm. over. That often does not turn out to be true. We spoke earlier about how AI helps people solve tasks. So I think that's an important differentiation to make is... Yeah. AI doesn't replace people, it, it helps them solve certain tasks. Now, we spoke a little bit about the differentiation between types of content. And just one thing that I wanted to add to the conversation is that I am working with some companies on creating AI content mm -hmm. for these more functional types, like definitions, for example, mm -hmm. or, or glossary type of content. And it works really, really well. It, hmm. it performs well in search, you know, growing traffic, no signs of penalty or anything else. And mm -hmm. I think it goes back to the point that for certain types of content, it doesn't matter who created it. All that matters is that it's really valuable to the user. I think that's an important place to actually park for a second. It's valuable for the user to actually understand something. And some types of content don't need to have that level of, of human embellishment, so to speak, that it's facts, it's data, it... You know be able to turn this up to be able to be valuable, not spun and not spammy. That's where the line is. And that's where we have to hold ourselves back because we're already seeing from the latest algorithm updates, a lot of sites just getting completely lambasted with drops in traffic because of, of what they've done in the AI generation. So fast forward to what has happened here. Back in July, there was a helpful content, actually, I'm sorry, August, whenever the helpful content update rolled through August 18th of this year. And Google actually presented it as a classifier of inspection, so to speak, of how helpful your information is. And subsequently after that was a core update. And we started seeing a number of sites that had 
suspect content just lose ground, lose visibility. So um, according to Google's John Mueller, the content generated automatically using AI writing tools violates Google's Webmaster's guidelines. His statement on a Webmaster's roundtable, his statement actually led to a lot of different debates in the SEO community. AI-generated content is typically assumed to come under this auto-generated content, which can actually lead to a manual penalty like you're talking about. So have you seen that actually happen in the ecosystem yet? I've seen sites that from the outside seem to have been penalized for very poor content. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know for a fact if that content was created with AI or if it was uh, humans who created or some other, you know, like, as you said, like some article spinning or some old school mm -hmm. method. Yep. But there are some sites that have been penalized apparently around that time when the helpful content rolled out. Now, I want to add to the fact that Google rolled out a core algorithm update and a reviews update pretty much around the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, some yep. of these updates overlap. And so we cannot know for sure which update Updates did the damage, but we know for a fact that poor content is being penalized. And I, I think that's right too, right? I, I think that's how it should go. Mm -hmm. uh, there is some horrible content that still ranks pretty well in search. There's some piece of content that, you know, try to address very basic queries, like what is four by four or some like, right, like right, right. basic math equation, just to get some clicks and then immediately show a bunch of ads and who knows what else. Oh yeah. Uh, so I think it's fine for Google to move against that type of content. They will probably just give the answer themselves anyway. So I don't think any of that is relevant. But when it comes to penalizing any content that's generated with AI, just by principle, mm -hmm. I think that's the wrong call. And I think it could if I, you know, I always want to leave the option open that I misunderstand something here, but if my assumption is correct here, I think that goes to show that there's a certain fear of Google that the whole ecosystem of the web could be disrupted by generative AI. Maximize your clients' budgets using Wix. Use every dollar towards growth and revenue-driving assets by relying on Wix's enterprise-grade security and reliability. Work more efficiently using Wix's SEO automation and scalable SEO solutions to deliver sustainable results without vulnerabilities, downtime, and workflow inefficiencies for any website of any size. Fix less, grow more with Wix. Go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash Wix today to learn more. So that's why they speak in much more general phraseology right now, because this is starting to come to a head. I don't think we're yet in this golden era of AI, of course, but it's being widely used and experimented on. So they're positioning themselves as if they've always been positioned in that space. But we also understand that Google may not actually be able to detect AI as much as we think it can. In fact, in that same interview or same uh, uh, meetup, uh, John actually said that well, he doesn't really know, but he can certainly look to the future that this would be an additional factor of review. All things being equal, he was saying currently it's all against the webmaster's guidelines. So from our point of view, being Google, if we run across something like that, if the web spam team were to see it, then we would see it as spam. And how he chose those words <laughs> actually kind of, kind of opens up the understanding of uh, they're not prepared yet to be able to fend off or, more importantly, categorize AI-generated content as opposed to human content or more editorial content. They're just not ready for that yet, right? 
Yeah, and who knows if there ever will be. You know, I wrote this case study on my blog about detecting GPT-2 content, which is the predecessor of GPT-3. And that works really well, even with public basic tools out there. And the reason is that the earlier versions of generative AI tools, they create content that's easy to predict. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they have a very predictable choice of words and sequence of words that makes it much easier to detect. But newer versions of GPT, right, and other generative language models, they're much better at introducing variety and being creative and unpredictable. So it's not too difficult to trick the currently existing tools that would detect AI content. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to become a massive challenge in the future. I mean, content might get so good that it's impossible to differentiate from human-generated content. In fact, there was a study, uh, I have to dig it out again, where there was a case where there was content that was created for news that was indistinguishable from human-generated content, right? right? So humans have a hard time even understanding the difference. And I think Google are thinking about, okay, what does the world look like when we don't know who created the content and we cannot penalize AI content because it looks like human content? And what should that mean for content as a signal in search? Right. I think mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of the, the broader point that I wanted to make about the ecosystem being disrupted. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens when everybody can create the same type of content? Right. And what does it does it mean yeah. to go back to looking at only backlinks or probably <laughs> user behavior? You know, it's yeah, like, absolutely. Like, want to get away from backlinks. And, and so those are some challenges. And for us, it's really important to understand what the options are so that we can potentially prepare. Because I don't think Google is going to just say, oh, now everybody has the same content. Now we're looking at user signals or, or long clicks or those mm -hmm. kind of things. Well, that's actually something interesting because some of the AI-generated content does that very thing. It will actually look online and reference and replicate certain content that it actually searches for. So if you're generating something, especially through Jasper, it'll actually grab a hold of known content that's ranking or valuable and repurpose it inside of that writing. So the question is, one, is it original, right? Because AI is kind of learning from its ecosystem what you're really intending to write. It means it's borrowing from other contributors who have already published the content. So there's a copyright issue there. But more importantly, isn't that how we all write anyway? Is that we're not in a bubble of our own expertise. Our own expertise is continually influenced by everything around us, all the research that we do. So whether or not we know it or not, we are repurposing as humans content that we've learned over the years in school as well as in our industry. So we're kind of doing the same thing, right? You know, it's very interesting. Um, one thing that makes humans humans is mistakes and unpredictability and sometimes doing things that are not perfectly logical. Right. And that goes very much against the approach of any machine, right? Kind of machines need to intentionally make mistakes, which then they're not really mistakes anymore. Uh, so it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's really, really interesting. This is a very philosophical question, but I think it's actually become very, very important for the future of SEO and content generation, right? There's going to be a human aspect of something that's an imperfect aspect. Now, now let, me, let me stop you there, there, whole, because sure. now I got, I got a side note here. Literally, if we're looking at what you're predicting of the future is that everybody's going to have machine-generated content, so we're going to have another optimization layer to pepper mistakes through the content with AI to be able to authenticate with our human fact. Oh my gosh, I think I just I just lost myself in that space. <laughs> no, but no, but it's, it's, it's actually yeah, no, it's actually the right point here, right? So uh, one foundational test to detect machines is the Turing test, right? I'm sure everybody heard of the Turing test. Yep. And the basic idea of the Turing test is that 
there is a human and a machine that have a conversation through text, not in person, through text. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second human that is not involved in the conversation that should understand who's the machine and who's the human, right? And so the interesting thing about the Turing test that nobody mentions is that the idea of the Turing test is not to give the perfect answer. It's not to give the right answer. It's to give an answer that this observable human thinks is a human answer. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, not trying to make it too philosophical, but we are probably going to reach a point at which, you know, like there, there might be an editor going over their content and saying, oh, it's too clean. It's too perfect. It's mm-hmm. not, doesn't seem human enough. And I think we're still a bit removed from that, but I think that's on the horizon. Yeah. And then you're going to be making profiles of your AI generation that of certain personality idiosyncrasies of what should be created by this particular tool on this particular type of content entering certain biases as well. I mean, are we in the realm of the surreal yet? That's what I'm asking. I think we're getting closer. <laughs> I think we're getting much closer, man. If I look at the images that the new stable diffusion creates and that you can just without yep. even paying for anything, it's getting pretty crazy out there. And so the question really is, you know, how should SEOs think about that? How can we make that more actionable? And I think right now there are really three things that I want to offer to users and to listeners as mm-hmm. some as like actionable takeaways, right? Number one is to differentiate between the type of content. Don't go out and try to create a thought leadership piece with AI. Make it focus just on the functional, descriptive, Mm -hmm. clear content. Be mindful of the length as well. All these new technologies are really good when it comes to articles of four to 500 words, but the longer these articles become, the more repetitive the output. So you want to mostly use it for shorter content right now that has very clear answers and very clear facts. Mm -hmm. Number two, prompt engineering is going to become really important and maybe already is really important. So when the machine can create anything you want, you really have to think about how to better phrase what you want. Absolutely. So there's probably going to be questions about, you know, how can I create a consistent style with AI generative content when it comes to images, Mm -hmm. right? Or even maybe text today, but especially like stable diffusion, mid journey, even the Canva tool, which I think is pretty cool, right? You want to develop a list of consistent styles that you can use for prompts and be very intentional in how you use that prompts. And I think it's perfectly fine to then use these AI generated images. Again, I do it for myself. I think they get a lot better, a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you want to probably lean into that. And then there's also probably something to be said about the acceleration of output. And that's really how I would think about it. Mm. So when I create content today, again, I would use a tool like Lex or some some of the other tools out there and much less think about, can this tool create the content for me much more? How much faster can it make me? Can it maybe spit out the structure that uh, I want to, you know, that I should consider for the article? Or can it surface interesting questions that I have not considered? Sure. There's another tool called ByWords, B-Y word, mm-hmm. um, that also, that allows you to enter a article structure and then will write the content for these subheadings. And I would use a tool like that and then rewrite or basically write in my own words. I would use it as a starting point to very quickly get to understand what I want to write about, but then write the content myself. I think that's the most actionable way to use these tools today. Yeah, exactly. And I still think that it will speed us up, maybe, you know, make us twice as fast, maybe three times as fast. Let me tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, SE Ranking. SE Ranking is a cloud-based platform that offers a comprehensive set of tools for SEO and online marketing professionals. Their platform includes a site audit, competitor analysis, website ranking, keyword suggestion and grouping, backlink monitoring, automated and professional reporting, and much, much more. 
As a new sponsor of Edge of the Web, we want to share who they are and what they're offering. We have a contest. It's the SE Rankings Checklist Challenge. If you complete the challenge, you'll get one month of the Pro 1000 subscription for free. So go to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE Ranking. You'll get a free use of the Pro Level software package for two weeks. And here's what you have to do to complete the checklist. Create a project, add at least five keywords, find five competitors via the competitive research tool and add them to your My Competitor section, run a website audit and show what issue you're going to fix. Do a backlink check and upload your backlinks to the backlink monitoring tool. Add any page to the page changes monitor that's in the website audit section and show the graphs of history of changes. Send your screenshots of completion of these steps to the email that you'll receive when signing up and you'll receive a full month of Pro 1000 service. And one Edge listener will get a full year business package. We'll announce that on our February 14th podcast. Not kidding around, this is a $2,500 value. So go over to edgeofthewebradio.com forward slash SE ranking to sign up now. You know, and that's what we have actually embraced over here at Site Strategics is is AI-generated content briefs that can actually be sculpted and molded. It gives us competitive site structure knowledge that just creates such an efficient way to be able to get to not only headlines but outline concepts of where we should really be hitting certain subjects. But we still bring in our subject matter experts to be able to fill in the fill in the gaps. Right? That's what's most important. You have to have that authenticity. But if you can utilize these tools to help competitively guide you, all the better, right? Because as long as they're not in the front lines actually creating every piece of content that you're known for, and ultimately you're not even part of the equation, you can certainly use these as guideposts and very efficient tools. And you were mentioning something regarding the prompts. I'm thinking that we're going to be looking at schools or education of how to actually guide and prompt AI for particular types of industries as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Prompt engineering is a real thing. And it's going to get very interesting when there's going to be a way to feed an output as a signal into the prompt, right? So when you create a prompt and then you can provide some sort of a number or a feedback signal mm -hmm. that then changes the prompt ever so slightly, there right? Go, That's yeah. when we're talking about self-optimizing systems. But for now, as you already said, there's an art to creating good prompts and that's gonna be something new that we as marketers probably haven't dealt with before that, right. that we would have to adopt to. That's gonna be the coveted thing is from a content marketing specialist, especially on the digital front, what type of prompt library do you have? What type of industry guidance prompts do you have? I mean, that could very well be questions that we are answering in the near future. Um, lastly, Kevin, it's, it's a fantastic conversation. This thing certainly could go the distance for another couple of shows here, but what are the risks of artificial intelligence besides what we just talked about with Google and their willingness to penalize, not arbitrarily, but with a large brush here, what are the other risks of AI? So in general, I think one big risk that, that's talked about a lot that is real is bias, mm -hmm. right? Um, again, language models or AI in general is trained on existing data. Yep. And it's easy uh, for racial bias to become part of that training or other types of biases. It's actually a very complex problem to solve. So you have to be very careful with the inputs and how you train these AI models. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the usage, right, I think the biggest risk is to lean too hard on the AI and to become too repetitive and to become too close-minded. Just yeah. think, okay, the AI would just solve it for me. And so I think it's important to still have a human eye on any type of content and to use common sense and logical reasoning to really question whether that 
type of content is good, whether it's useful. And then lastly, of course, there's always, you know, the conversation around content, there's always the risk of just obsessing over content and forgetting what users actually want to do on your site. Absolutely. So we just talk about the context of SEO and marketing. You always want to keep in mind what a good experience for users is like and what role content plays here. In the, mm -hmm. in the case of a blog, it's very obvious, right? It's, a, it's to inform and educate, maybe to inspire. But um, when we talk about e-commerce, right? The main goal, for example, still is to buy or evaluate a product. It's not to read content. So all that is to say, you know, content often is just a means to an end. And as good marketers, we don't want to forget that. Very good. Very good. Let alone the legal side of things as well, because yes. when it gets down to who owns this content uh, and, and where it's generated from, that's another another hill of beans right there. But I want to be able to uh, tie this one up here. I certainly appreciate your guidance here and your input and your prompts. How about that? For, <laughs> for our conversation here, we don't want to lose sight of our role in this ecosystem is it's even more important to make sure we're right there dead center of guiding and understanding how helpful this information is. If we take our hands off the wheel and just let AI write itself, and I always say, I always come back to this, it's almost like Skynet is right there over that next hill. We have the possibility of really creating such banal content that the environment is how do I say it? lack of expertise and we're just churning to churning and we've seen that a decade ago we don't want to go back you got it absolutely all right well thank you for this we're certainly going to jump into our next segment here in a moment but thanks for the the information let's let our audience know where they can find you right now it's over at kevin hyphen indig indig.com anything else that we can promote for you right here i oh, appreciate it that's uh that's pretty much it on twitter i'm at kevin underscore indig LinkedIn, uh, my real, uh, obviously is my real name. So, uh, yeah, the, find me, uh, one of these three. And also I, uh, I started a new podcast with Eli Schwartz yep. called Contrarian Marketing Podcast. So, uh, yeah, hit us up there. I completely forgot to actually dig into that. So we're going to have to unpack that in our next episode as well. Very good. All right. So check out and track down Kevin Indig at Kevin underscore I-N-D-I-G at Twitter and follow us on Twitter at Edge Web Radio. Thanks to our sponsors. Always give them a heads up. Let them know where you heard of them because that's what they're in it with us for, to be able to connect with you, our loyal listenership. Make sure you follow us over at YouTube. Just search for Edge of the Web. You'll be able to find us right there. We're pushing out a number of different pieces of content from all of these different in interviews. So check that out. Hey, and if you feel up to it, let us know how we did on this show. If you go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash edge today, you'll be able to be guided and prompted directly to uh, where you can give us a nice review. Thank or well, hopefully it's nice. Hopefully it's five star. But, uh, you know, if Morty's part of the equation... And we'll take what we can get, honestly. All right, so from all of us over at Edge, stay safe, stay well, and do not be a piece of cyber driftwood. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.